Well, thank you um, for having me here again this morning. And um, wow, it's interesting, isn't it, how God knits things together. Um, I've wrestled a lot with whether to do this talk as one talk or to, as to do it to, as two talks. Um, but I think after what God's brought out this morning, it was right to leave it as one talk. So, um, yeah, I hope that you can stick with me. Um, there's two large topics for this morning sanctification and unity um so some of you will see that title and think she should have done it as two talks um so but hopefully um it will all come together so we're going to start by looking at sanctification and then that will lead us on to the unity part of the talk um have you ever felt worried have you ever felt worried that you're not holy enough or you're you're not going to be holy enough when you stand at the gates of heaven and you're going to be told you, you weren't holy enough you weren't good enough um you can't come in um because these questions um are things that go through our minds sometimes um and it reminds me of a story a story of a rich man he spends a lot of his life working hard but he finds out he's about to die but he has a lot of wealth he has a lot of gold bars um and he prays says, God, I know I'm going to die in the next couple of days, but please, could I take some of my wealth with me? And an angel appears in his room and says, your, your pleas have been heard. What do you want? He said, well, I'd like to take some gold bars. So the angel disappears and he comes back very soon and says, it's okay. You've been told you can take one bag with you, only one bag. So the man says, okay, thank you. He fills his bag up with gold bars um, and he dies the next day. So he's standing at the gates with his suitcase of gold bars and St. Peter says to him, really sorry, I can see on your notes you're allowed one bag, that's okay, but can I check the contents? So he says, okay. So as St. Peter looks in his bag, he says, pavement? Why did you bring pavement? So I love this story because it really shows that sometimes um, our understanding is not the same as God's, our perspective is not the same as God's. We don't always have a heavenly perspective of things. Um, so let's have a look at this word, sanctification. Um, I remember when Mark said that we would be speaking on sanctification, I remember thinking, that's a big word and I probably should know what it means and it sounds very religious and I think I might know a little bit what it means. But um, I thought the best place to start was to find out what it says. So I looked it up. So I have a quote from Wikibooks. It says, the term sanctification, as used in the New Covenant, oh, no, I meant to check with Mark how to say this word before the service. Hagiosmos? Hagiosmos? Hagi. Hagiosmos. And it basically means set apart in the sense of being set apart from all else and dedicated for Yahweh, God's use. Sanctification involves separation, dedication, purity, consecration and service so um, I believe that there are three parts to sanctification the first part we've already touched on a little bit today is the finished work of Jesus um, Jesus died on the cross for us so that we who believe might be set free from sin and be washed clean by his blood that we might become the righteousness of God. And that word righteousness, I always remember in my head as right living with God, right standing with God. Um, we're going to be working through Hebrews 10 this morning. 
Um, and there is quite a lot of scripture. So if you have your Bibles or you have a device with you, um, I do have slides because it is a lot of scripture. Um, and so apologies, I will be reading a lot. Um, so if you could find Hebrews 10, that would be great. I have a quick drink. Sorry, my mouth's gone dry. That's it, first one. Okay. For the law is only a shadow of the good things to come, not the realities themselves. It can never, by the same sacrifices offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would not the offerings have ceased? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt the guilt of their sins. So it plainly says here that the law and the sacrifices cannot make us perfect. If it could, then we would have been perfect, and then um, they wouldn't need, have needed to have carried on with the sacrifices. Thank goodness we're after Jesus, and we don't have to worry about sacrifices. But, um, but they did um, before. So um, if we carry on in verse 3, it says, Instead, those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away their sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you took no delight. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. In the passage above, he says, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor did you delight in them. Although they are offered according to the law. Then he adds, here I am, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second, and by that will, we have been sanctified through sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Um, I've tried on the slides to have yellow for bits that I wanted to bring out and green for bits that really make us think about the tense of them, whether they're past tense, current tense or ongoing or in the future. Um, so here we can see um, that the sacrifices actually were a yearly reminder of their sins. They weren't setting people apart from sin or the guilt that goes with sin. Um, it wasn't even pleasing to God. It's also really important to note here that the first covenant is taken away to establish the second covenant. Um, if this is the first time that you hear this, this is quite a big revelation. Um, it sets you free because we need to stop trying to live under two covenants. Um, so if this is new to you, when you read your Bible, you really need to think about what's being said, um, who is it being said to, um, which covenant is it being said under and does it still apply to you today or should you be looking at the second covenant and what Jesus has done for us? We also see in verse 10 it says that we have been sanctified through the body of Christ once for all. So that have been is in the past. So um, Jesus has already died, he's paid the price and actually that was before any of us were born. So can we add to that? Can we make any difference to what Jesus has already done? 
Um, so it's really important that we know that we get to that amazing gift, that free gift of salvation, that we can't add to it. And it's really easy to try and um, um, to forget that and to get caught up in our works and to feel like, well, I just need to do this. I just need to do that. I just need to. I just need to. And actually, um, our salvation is secure. Um, we can't earn it and we can't add to it. Um, if we go to verse 11, it says, Day after day, every priest stands to minister and to offer again and again the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet, because by a single offering, he has made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. Um, I love this verse in verse 11. It shows the real contrast between the two covenants. Um, the first part, the priest stands to minister day after day, and he's standing to minister. And it's such a visual difference, because then we, when we look at the second covenant, we can see that Jesus offers the sacrifice once, all time, and he sits down. It's such a big difference. You know, the priest in the first covenant, he's standing and he has to keep standing. Why? Because his work isn't done. Jesus, he does the sacrifice once and for all, and it's finished. So he sits down. Um, I just love that the, the difference is so obvious. Um, I'd really like to look at verses 10 and 14 in the Amplified Bible. Sometimes I don't always find it easy to get stuff out of what I'm reading. And so I find if I read in the Amplified Bible, it just gives me a little bit more just to help me. So it says, one sacrifice of Christ is sufficient. And in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been, that's past tense, sanctified. That is set apart as holy for God and <clears throat> his purposes through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, once for all. So again, we can see that we are set apart, um, sorry, that we have been sanctified, that it's in the past. Um, Sorry, I've just lost my train of thought. It's also important to note here, it says we who believe that this isn't um, just a blanket self, um, message for everybody. We have to choose to um, believe in Jesus and in his works. But from that moment that you believe, you're set apart. From that moment you believe, you are set apart for God and his purposes. And I think that's really important that we're not just um, set apart to go to church on Sunday. And I don't mean that really. <coughs> we love church on Sunday. But we are set apart for God and his purposes. Um, if we go to verse 14 in the Amplified, it says, For by the one offering, and I love this, he has perfected, can't get better than perfected, forever, you can't get better than forever, and completely, you can't do more than completely, cleansed 
those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. Um, we're going to come back to that bit that says are being sanctified because that is in an um, ongoing tense. That's in the present tense. Um, but just quickly, I would like to look at what it means to be sanctified, to be set apart for God. So as we said earlier, it means we're in right standing with God. It means we can have the confidence to come into his very presence. You know, it's, again, it's such a difference from the old covenant when they had to tie something around the priest's waist in case when he went in he didn't quite do something right, um, that they could literally drag him out because he would be dead by the rope. Um, you know that when you would go into that place, I could just imagine there will be a lot of trembling. Will I come out alive? Um, will I do it right? But we have that confidence that we can just come before him because he has made a way for us. Um, as we've said, Jesus has already done it. We can't add to it. We can come into that place where we can be in relationship with him, which is what he wants for us. You know, Adam and Eve were made to be in relationship with him. Sometimes when our lives feel a bit funny, it's because we're not quite in the relationship with him that we need to be in. Um, so let's carry on in Hebrews 10. I'm going to carry, carry on the scriptures now. We'll all be in the Amplified Version. So there's a lot of reading to do. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus. So we can see there that we have the confidence by, his, by this new and living way, which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the Holy of Holies. That is, through his flesh. And since we have the great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. You know, it's interesting that we've already touched upon this this morning. You know, Mark saying that we've got to be aware of the time that we're in. Um, so we need to hold tight. We need to not be wavering so that we don't fall away. Um, and I don't know about you, but in my walk with God, I've learned that the walk really is learning to trust him more. Everything is about learning to trust him more, that he is reliable, that his word is true, and that he will do what he will say he will do. And there might be seasons where we don't quite see it, how we think we should see it, but as we carry on and we push on, then we do see. Um, and like I say, it's a, a thing of learning to trust him. Um, as we come on to the, um, talking about unity, we're going to come back to this part about encouraging one another to love and to do good deeds. Um, again, it was interesting. It kind of came up earlier. Um, so we said early, earlier that um, we would look at the tense of things. 
If we look at verse 14, it says, He has perfected them forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified. So that's part two of sanctification. Do you remember at the beginning we said there were three parts to sanctification? The first part is the finished work of Jesus. And the second part is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. So I love this quote here by Colman Ford. It says, sanctification is part recognizing that our redemption has been accomplished by Jesus um, and part realizing that our redemption is being applied by the Spirit. From the moment we believe and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are saved. Um, and it, again, it's really important to know that you are three parts. You're your body, your physical bit. But, and you are your spirit man, and your spirit man is saved from the moment that you say yes to Jesus, from the moment you say, yeah, I believe. Um, but our soul, um, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, the way we think, the way we feel, and those things need to catch up. Um, sometimes we can still make wrong choices. Um, sometimes we can still say and do things that are in our earthly nature. Um, but he will change us if we let him and make us more and more like him. I'm just going to move on to Ephesians 4. And we're going to come on to the unity part. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for works of ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the measure of the stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed about by the waves and carried around by every wind of teaching and by the clever cunning of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, and that doesn't mean, I'm just saying this to you in love. Um, sorry. Um, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ himself, who is the head. From him, the whole body, fitted and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love through the work of each individual part. Now, I've heard this scripture used before as to reasons why people won't do things. Oh, well, I can't um, be an evangelist because I'm a teacher. I can't. Um, and be a prophet because I'm a pastor. I can't do this because I'm that. Or when people look at the gifts of the Spirit, I can't do this because I do that. And actually, Scripture is not meant to be used like that. We're all called to grow up into all things, into Christ himself. Well, Christ worked in all those things, and Christ did all those things. So we are all called to grow up into all those things in one way or another. And it might not look the same for you as it does for me, um, or as it does for Mark, but we are all called to grow up into these things. I strongly believe that if you have a gift or an area that you feel strong in, that God has put in you, that it is your job not to boast in your gift, not to feel comfortable in your gift, but to grow up the rest of the church in your gift. You know, there are a lot of people who struggle praying or knowing how to pray. And if you're someone who finds prayer easy and prayer's really on your heart, then even if you contact one person and say, I heard you're struggling with prayer. Would you like me to ring you 
every morning at this time? Or would you like me just to message you with an encouraging word at this time to help you fix your mind on God? How can I support you? And then when that person's working a bit better and finding prayer easier, maybe they can come alongside someone else that's finding prayer difficult. Um, you know, we don't have to make it into something that's so big that we, we don't know how to. I've got to have a prayer group. I've got to do this prayer and that prayer. No, just come alongside someone who needs support. You know, um, I heard someone say that they really struggled with the gift of tongues. And they said it wasn't until somebody came and sat with me and helped me work through it that actually I felt that I gained the gift of tongues. Um, so we are called to build each other up into the unity. Um, you know, we do see wars going on and we see countries preparing for war. Um, and if we were told that we had to prepare for war, some of us who wouldn't like to might be trained and equipped for fighting. We might be trained to use weapons that we haven't used before. We might be trained to be a medic. Um, but we would be trained in lots of different areas. Um, you know, it's no good if you're on the front line saying, well, I'm sorry, I'm a fighter, and the person next to you needs a medic because they've been injured. In that moment, you need to act as a medic. So we need to build each other up um, for spiritual war. I'm not talking about physical war. But we need to build each other up. We need to have kingdom perspective. So when I'm talking about building each other up, I'm not just talking about in our church. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. I'm talking about across churches. You know, I love hearing that you're doing stuff um, for revival with other churches and, um, you know, the work that you do with other churches. And one of the things that I love about Mark and Cheryl is their heart to sow and to equip. And not just them, but I... I just know you well enough to say that about you, but I know that there are others in here too, that you realize the time is short and I have to sow where I can. I have to sow here. I have to sow there. I can't have all my eggs in one basket in one church. Um, I need to be about the kingdom of God. And going back to that picture earlier at the beginning, we need to have the right perspective of heaven. We need to um, know that we are kingdom-minded and not just church-minded. Um, I'm just quickly going to mention the third part of sanctification before we move on, um, which is the full completion, of course, being fully sanctified as we go to be with him. In Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, either the day Jesus comes back or the day we go to be with him. Um, so that's finished covering the three areas of sanctification. I'd like to take five more minutes to talk to you about unity because I believe it's really strongly on the Lord's heart. I believe it always has been. I don't think it's something new. I want to share with you a true story um, from my life. I know the year was 2008 because there was an initiative called Hope Wait. Did any of you hear of Hope Awake? Which was basically about getting out into the community, um, putting on a community event with the hope that maybe some of those people might come along to your church on Sunday. It was a bit of a fishing exercise, um, but I was really excited about it. It was the first time I thought about trying to go out into the community. Um, and the church that I was in with other surrounding churches came together um, to put on a free event. It had stalls and barbecue, and it had um, the churches worshipping on a stage thing outside. Well, before that, one morning, I was sat in my flat. It was before children. 
And I got up to do my morning, read a bit of scripture, and I had my prayer list of people that were sick or people that needed different things. And I wasn't expecting the encounter that I had. Um, I wasn't trying to have a special moment with God. I just, you know, I'd finish my breakfast, I'd read a passage of scripture, and I would pray these things. And I knew what my list was. I also have to say that at this point, unity wasn't in my heart, wasn't on my mind. In fact, I would go as far as to say I was someone who was proud of my church that I was in, and I thought it was the best in the area. Um, You know, we had the best worship team. We weren't religious, um, which, of course, we all are a bit religious. But in my mind, we were the best church. So unity really wasn't a thing in my mind or in my heart. Well, that morning... I read John 17, which I'm not going to put up for you, but please go and read it. It's Jesus' final prayer. I don't know about you, but if I was told this is your final prayer, I would be praying for what matters most to me. I'd be praying for my family, my children, and I would be praying um, yeah, what was really on my heart. It's my last prayer. So Jesus' final prayer, um, as I read it, and again, I'm not someone who... It finds it easy always to get stuff out of scripture that I read. Um, so I know that it was God. And as I read it, it just highlighted. I just, the fact that I even recognized it was Jesus' last prayer was a God thing, to be honest. Um, and that he was praying his most important things. But he prays over and over again that we would be one. He prays over and over again for unity. It was what was on Jesus' heart then. It was what was on God's heart from the beginning. That's why I say it's not a new thing. And as I, as I read the scriptures, I can't tell you how I felt. There was sudden, such a burden and a desire on me to pray unity in a way that I've never experienced before or since. Bearing in mind it wasn't on my list, I just became so overwhelmed by God in the room, that as I even now I can I can feel how it felt in that moment of just crying out for unity with everything within me to the point that I couldn't really form words anymore. That I was just crying, and it wasn't pretty crying. <laughs> it was messy, snotty, just pouring everything out of me, crying for unity in the churches. Sorry, it makes me emotional saying it. The church has made a vow that they would never worship in public again. The churches had made a covenant between themselves that they would go against unity and everything that God wanted. But the churches had said, we will never do that again. And when we make covenants or agreements against unity, it hurts. It hurts God because he wants us to be in unity. So I knew then that that prayer time was about God breaking those things off that the churches have put on 
themselves that God had never meant to be there. And I knew that the event was far bigger than I'd realized. It also means that I carry that with me, that sense of wanting unity, not just in our church, but in our area, in our country, in our nation. You know, if you're sitting here this morning, I felt really strongly to say, if there are people that feel like maybe you've made a covenant, in an agreement in your own heart, that person in the church annoys me, I will never sit next to them again, or they've hurt me, I will never speak to them again. Whatever covenants you've made in your own heart that goes against unity, please, this morning, I ask, would you come and would you say, please pray for me, I want to lay it down. I just feel like when we come into proper unity, that's where we see revival. That's where we see God moving. Because when we come, I keep wanting to use the word disunity, and I don't think it's a word. When we come into division, um, or disunity, let's use it, um, you know, God can't work fully because we put barriers in his way because we're not meant to be in a place of division. We're meant to be in unity as a church. We're supposed to be building each other up for the kingdom. We're supposed to be equipping each other for good works and to love. Um, so this morning when we have a time of ministry, if the Holy Spirit's showing you something that you feel, and it might have been years ago that you said it, if the Holy Spirit is showing you something, let's remove that this morning. Let's remove anything that has caused division. You know, unity doesn't mean that we have to have exactly the same viewpoints on things, but our hearts need to be for the, God's kingdom. Our hearts need to be love, proper love, and our hearts need to allow room for people to grow, but, that, but we can support them in a way that is love. People do need to get there themselves. People do need to go on a journey themselves with God, um, but we need to support each other with love. I've spoken on quite a few different things today, which I know is not always easy to follow. So just to summarize. Number one, if you believe in Jesus and have accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, you need to know who you are in him. You are set apart. You are set apart for God and his works, and you can't earn that. Number two, the Holy Spirit is still leading you changing you and helping you grow up to be more and more like Jesus. We have different giftings so that we can help build each other up. And maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit has already given you an idea um, of how you could help come alongside somebody else and build them up. And number three, unity is a God focus and priority. And I believe it does lead to, lead to revival. So let's get a kingdom mindset and work in all areas towards unity for his will and his kingdom. And we're going to come to a time of prayer. Um, if you're online, um, please feel free to contact the church for someone to pray with you. Um, before we break for prayer um, and ministry, I felt like God gave me a few areas. Um, so the first area is if you feel like you have made vows against unity, um, we will pray with you today that the Holy Spirit can move that hurt in your heart um, and help you to put it right. You don't have to give specific details. You just have to say there's something that I would like to lay down. I would also like to invite anyone who wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior this morning to come and we will pray with you. 
as I was preparing this talk, I felt like the Lord gave me two specific words in this area. So I'm going to read them because when God gives you a word, it's really important that you don't add your own words to it or you don't put your own slant on it. And there was a few specific um, sentences. So I believe that there is someone here or online and you have chosen not to give your life to Jesus because you feel that salvation is signing up to church. That you believe that you're signing up to rotors, you believe you're signing up to what you see church to be. And you need to know that that's not what salvation is. Salvation is about receiving the free gift from Jesus to be put right with the Father, that you are in him and he's in you. It's about relationship with the one who loved you first and he gave his life for you. It's saying, Jesus, I believe you are real and I want you in my life. I want to know you and I want you to change me and teach me your ways. The second word I had is that there could be someone here or online and you feel that you had a clear moment where you could have chosen to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour a while ago. And for whatever reason, you chose not to. And now you feel that that offer has been taken off the table. I felt like those words were really key. <coughs> that you feel salvation has been taken off the table. And Jesus says to you that the, the offer of salvation is never taken off the table and it will remain on the table until you choose to accept it. Um, so if either of those things are for you, um, if you're online, please contact somebody um, and they will pray with you. Um, or if you are here, please make yourself known to us at the end and we will pray with you. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to close by praying. Father God, we just thank you for your word this morning. Father God, I just pray that you would release this church into a time of deeper unity, Lord. Not just within these four walls, but in the community. That, Lord God, that you would open up doors and opportunities that could only be opened by you. Lord God, opportunities to worship in your name together. Opportunities to share um, the gifts that you have given us. Lord God, whether that's prayer, whether it's children's work whether, um, and children's ministry, um, whether it's healing, whatever it is, Lord, pastoring, preaching. Father God, I pray that you would help us to not be blindsided and just to see our church. Open our eyes to see your kingdom. Help us to work for your kingdom and your kingdom alone, for your glory, for your goodness in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, Father God, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning. That, Lord God, if we've got into a comfort zone with our gift and we feel scared about learning other giftings, Father God, I pray that you'd remove that fear. I pray that whatever, for each individual person here, Lord, that whatever their block is into growing up into you, Lord Jesus, that you would remove that right now. I pray that you would release the gifts to come together in a beautiful way, Lord. Um, not in a way of this gift is better than this gift or this gift is better than that gift, but Lord, 
that you would just help us to grow up to be more like Jesus. You know, as he walked through life, whatever he needed, he used that gift in that moment. And I pray, Lord God, that as a body, you would help us to function more um, in the gifts that you have given us. I just pray for people right now that you would stir up their hearts of how they might impart their gift to somebody else. And it doesn't mean that they have to know everything about their gift that they could even have been learning it for a week or two weeks maybe. Um, maybe if you're strong in the prophetic, um, that maybe you feel, I don't know enough, but maybe you're beyond somebody else. Maybe you could encourage them. Maybe you could learn together. Maybe you could partner with somebody. Father God, whatever area, I just pray that you'd put that on our hearts right now, that each one of us would go away from here wondering how we can build up the body um, for your glory, Lord. Amen.